everybody said, Amen. So in China's Yunnan province stands the Dragon's Gate Shrine. It's a fascinating uh, climb because you actually have to go through. They've carved out, it's like a walkway in the very cliff face, a vertical cliff face of about 7,000 metres. And you climb up to it and then there's this beautiful old Buddhist temple that overlooks this incredible industrial area and this pristine lake, although it's now getting a lot of pollution. And on this particular temple, there are carved um, these beautiful ornaments, so dragons and these beautiful colours. And there is a Chinese god, um, this is before, of course, communism, which has been carved out very beautifully in gold. It's not very large. But the craftsman who is carving out this image, this gold image, he spent his lifetime, he's a master craftsman. When he came to some of the finishing touches on this idols creating, he did an oopsie. You never want to hear an oopsie, do you? Oops, particularly if you're in surgery under a local anesthetic. You don't want to hear the surgeon go, oops. <laughs> that will get your attention. Uh, but he did an oopsie and he broke a little bit of it and it was unrepairable. And uh, his reaction to that was uh, despair and disappointment and he literally walked off and threw himself off this cliff. He'd spent a lifetime trying to bring about a God to fashion this God only to find that at the end the God couldn't save him, help him and uh, he was uh, put in this incredible place. We, we are required by... Uh, being believers in Jesus Christ, we are required to live this life by faith and not by senses. The Bible talks about we walk by faith and not by sight. And so that's a euphemism for all our senses, our six senses, you know, if there are six, you know, but there's the touch, the taste, the sight, you know, the feeling, you know, intuition even. But as Christians, we actually are not meant to live by our sense realm. You know, what I think's good, what, I, what feels good, what looks good, what touches good. We are not meant to live by that. We are meant to live in another dimension. And that dimension is called faith. It means seeing the invisible. That's crazy, isn't it? Seeing the invisible. Hearing the inaudible. Touching the untouchable, and yet you can see the invisible God in the face of Jesus Christ. You can hear the Holy Spirit come and whisper deeply in your heart. You can touch the, the God who is our high priest, who can be touched with our feelings of infirmity. So, look, we enter into our relationship with God through simple trust and obedience. Uh, it, it, the word for faith in uh, the Greek language, is a strong word. It's more than just this idea of mental assent. Now, I was thinking of doing this today, but I thought I'd be a good boy and behave. Uh, but get a bow and arrow. Uh, I've, sh I've actually shot a bow and arrow a few times, and I've actually hit the target a few times too. But I thought I'd get a bow and arrow out and I'd get Pastor Karen to sit over the other side here and put 
no, no, no. I'm not that confident, actually. I would put a balloon on her head. <laughs> her office is full of balloons right now, so we need to get some of them. I'd put a balloon on her head, and I would say, who believes I'm capable of firing an arrow that will pop that balloon and not pop Pastor Karen? Now, here's the deal. If Pastor Karen was prepared to come up there and stand there with the balloon on her head, her action is showing that she truly believes and trusts, which just shows you've got to be careful what you trust in. (laughs) It's more than a mental assent. It's more than a mental agreement. It's actually a belief that God is the one that you're going to stick to. So the Amplified says that this word, pistis, faith, is to cling to, to adhere to, to rely upon, to trust. It's a very strong term about being connected. So it's, it's more than, oh, I believe in Jesus, and then you go down to the pub and get you drunk. That's, that's not the faith that the Bible talks about. I believe in Jesus, but I want to sleep around. You know, I believe in Je- Well, you're not believing in the right Jesus. <laughs> you ble- you, the, the true faith involves this organic connection that will change your life. And so uh, the Bible talks about faith and how we can grow in faith. And so what I'm wanting to do today is to stimulate you to grow in your faith, wherever you are. Some of you may have massive faith. Some of you may have minor faith. But we can all grow in our faith. Amen? And it's true. You know, the Bible gives us this record that, you know, you can have little faith. Matthew 6, verse 30. Jesus says to his disciples, O you of little faith. He's talking to his his disciples. (laughs) His disciples. You have little faith. So you can be a disciple of Jesus and still have little faith. And he says to them in Matthew chapter 8, verse 10, that you have such faith. There's a quantity there. Matthew 15, 28. He says, great is your faith. And this is actually to a person outside the fold of Israel. And then Mark 4, 40. He says, why do you have no faith? He's talking again to disciples. You know, you can have this theoretical trust in God until the bottom falls out and then we find out what you really believe. True? So true, isn't it? And uh, I think I've told you this story, and so forgive me uh, for repeating myself, but apparently that goes of old age. I, I had a friend in Bible college, a little Chinese girl, who was a passionate evangelist for Jesus. You know, she was the one who wear the T-shirts, you know, why should you go to hell? You know, the little buttons on her that says, you know, ask me about Jesus and these things. And we got onto a lift once. Uh, we'd gone on a trek for Bible college. And uh, the, the, lifts, the lift doors closed and we're going up and she's witnessing to the people in the lift. This is really not cool. This is like me singing to people in the lift that I did in Malaysia. And they all screamed past the car and they all said, make it stop, make it stop. <laughs> There's something about me singing badly that just does it for people. <clears throat> and But all of a sudden, 
the she's witnessing, telling everybody that Jesus is Lord and that He's the God of all peace, and you know we can we are more than over. She was doing real good. Then all of a sudden, the lift sticks between floors. It stops, and like she changes instantly and has a total meltdown. It's like you know the message went from here to there very quickly. You know, what sort of faith do we really have? And so Luke 17, verse 5, we have the young, the father of a demon-possessed boy says, Lord, help us increase our faith. So in Second Peter, chapter 1, um, this is an amazing passion. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied. Say multiplied. To you in the knowledge of God. Who would like grace multiplied to them? Who would like peace multiplied to you? Well, it comes about by your relationship with God. Be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. This is relational knowledge. This is experiential knowledge. Do you know what a kiss is? Uh, A kiss is the swapping of saliva and carbonic gases and bacteria. Is there anything wrong with my definition? Some of you have more knowledge than you should have. There's the experience of a kiss. That will defy the science any day. And all the married people said, I remember. (laughs) Grace and peace. It's relational knowledge. His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through our knowledge. This is the relational knowledge has caught us by his glory and virtue, by which has been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. You have been given, every man, woman, child, person, the sound of my voice today, you have been given exceedingly great and wonderful promises. Do you know that? God has promised you wonderful things, graceful things, multiplying things, if you will, have a relationship with him experientially, that through these things you may be partakers of the divine nature. This is mind-blowing. As I get to know God more, I become more like God. I'll never become God. That's a New Age lie. But the more I become closer to God, the more I reflect Him, the more I become a sharer in His divine nature. And God's divine nature is pretty cool. It's full of power and wisdom and authority. So um, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also for this reason, give all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. There is a stairway, there is a progression in God that Peter says this is how we should grow. It's good to start with faith, but then as we come into relationship with God, there's this stairway that we should be going up. So these are these are good stages. So uh, first of all, 
to faith we add virtue. That's character. If you don't know what virtue is, it means that you're honest, you show up, you know, that you can be right upon. You do some of that character-forming stuff. You know, if you say to someone, look, I'm going to be there at 2 o'clock, or I'm going to pay this bill, or I'm going to clean my room, or whatever, how reliable are you on that? Because this is virtue. This is character. So we add to our faith transformational behavioral change, and to that we add knowledge. That knowledge is, again, experiential knowledge. You know, I've been blessed to be able to take Pastor Karen and Samuel away to Singapore, Malaysia, but they've learned things on that trip that you could never get from a book. Never get from a book. You know, how to laugh at your pastor's jokes, you know. When to get him coffee, you know, those sorts of things. There's only one way to get experience. Get experience. We've got to, as we get teams going out, as we're doing different things, uh, get involved. There's experience to be involved from everything, from being on a Sunday service team to running a connect group to going to Alpha. That's the way to get experience. So go and get experience. <laughs> so get to that, add your knowledge to knowledge, self-control. That's That's a biggie for me because I have potential to lose my self-control. No one here would ever do that, but I used it. My wife will tell you, she will testify, Mike had a very bad temper. True. Yeah, okay. She said yes. Our our family doesn't play Monopoly anymore. For many years, I thought Monopoly was a game of skill because I would win every time. So this was my illusion. This was my pride. You know, pride goes before a fall. I would always win at Monopoly. And then one day I was losing and I lost self-control. Do you know how Monopoly money floats in the air? (laughs) How embarrassing it is to have to pick up all the Monopoly money. (laughs) To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. You know, the ability to keep on doing stuff when it's hard. The ability to push through when it's difficult. The, that capacity to, to run your best and to be having your guts about to throw up and, you know, to burst through the pain barrier and finish that race to persevere. That's part of what we do. I think if Mike has any super abilities at all, I've had the ability to persevere through his incredibly tough times. And to perseverance, we're to add godliness. This is being a bit more like Jesus in our behavior, in our choices, in our language. You know, would Jesus say that? Would Jesus do that? Would Jesus? And to that, brotherly kindness it's an interesting graduation, isn't it? Because as you get further and further to, to the top, it's, a less, it's less about me, he, she. It becomes more about we. How are you with other people? Are you being kind to other people? And it, finally, the, the highest level is brotherly love. I, I, I love some aspects of the Western church in so many ways, but I don't know if we become a more loving church in the West when I compare it with other churches elsewhere in the world. 
we've got great music, great lights, you know, great preaching. Well, maybe, you know, all that sort of stuff. But are we better at loving people? And the church I want to really champion is a church that knows how to love people. And sometimes difficult people and problematic people and people of different skin and different attributes and different things. How good are we at loving people? And for that to happen, you need to grow in your faith. You need to be able to be bigger. Wu says this, that for for this very cause, having added on by your part every intense effort, provide lavishly to your faith. You've got to add to your faith to grow. And so God gives you faith to begin with. It's the mustard seed principle. We all begin with a portion of faith. We can add to that. And all you need to move a mountain is a mustard seed. You don't need much faith to have mountain-moving faith. And to that, we then build upon that through giving all diligence, adding to your faith. Making every effort, being diligent, means working at it. Now, there is a, an internet meme going around right now through the ABC. Uh, one of the ABC classic um, uh, hosts, she said uh, she would like to learn Bach. Turn to your neighbor and say, Bach. You've got to get that guttural go. Bach. Uh, not Bath, Bach. Um, she wanted to learn. There's, there's a guy in England. He's a concert pianist. Uh, he's, he's written a book, How to Learn the Piano in Six Weeks. Okay. So this lady picked up the book and says, I will learn to play Bach in six weeks. And she did it. She did it. And she's put it on as a YouTube video. You can watch it and stuff. Now, this lady cannot play the piano. She can't read music. I mean, she's, she's, she's at ground zero. Uh, she might have a bit of an ear for music since she listens to classical music, but who knows? And she, she goes out and she borrows a piano from a friend of hers and she sits down and she does this video log of her journey. And all she has to do to learn to play Bach in six weeks, she has to rehearse the, the guy says about 45 minutes a day, but if you get 30 minutes in every day, you can learn to play Bach in six weeks. And then you watch the journey, the lack of the, the attempt, the faltering of discipline, the I can't, it's too difficult, I can never do this, this is stupid, all, all that. All that chatter in the brain. Does anybody know about that chatter in the brain? You know, the management committee, you know, the ten, the ten monkeys and only one banana. Do you know that? Do you know the sound of that? You, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. Well, I want to tell you, in the name of Jesus, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You can lose weight. You can find a new level of God. You can learn to sing. You can learn to uh, witness to your friends, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. But what you got to do is put your can do on rather than you can't do on it. And so she just showed that if you discipline yourself, I used a bad word, didn't I? If you discipline her, yourself, you can do almost anything. Well, the Bible says, make every effort, giving all diligence 
add to your faith. You can transform where you are today by discipline and adding to your faith. That's simple. That's simple. It's probably going to cost you to revolutionize your life six weeks, 40 minutes a day. But I'll make you a promise. Based on my understanding of this book I've been studying for over 35 years, I'll make you a promise. You search out a promise in the Scripture because we have been given many great and exceeding promises. You find a promise in God and you start to work that promise. You start to pray in it. You start to meditate in it. And you devote yourself to it. I guarantee you'll find a new level in Jesus Christ. Guarantee it. God will come. God will come. You know, there are many miracles. One of the miracles is that uh, Pam and Bob have been married for 52 years. <laughs> That's a great, great result. Thank you. Monique and I have been married for 41 years soon. 42. I'd never forget my anniversary. It's one of the pin numbers of one of my credit cards. <laughs> Uh, I have to change it now. I have to change it now. Uh, let's have the team up and uh, let's sing uh, I'll, I'll Walk Upon the Waters. I want to just stimulate you this morning and say, God, I'm going to learn to trust you more. I'm going to step out on that water. I'm going to trust your promises. I'm going to grow in you. I'm going to show some discipline and add to my faith that I might grow and become all you want me to be. Amen. Fantastic. Let's stand. When we were in uh, Singapore, Malaysia, one of the camps that we were uh, ministering at, the theme of the camp was seeds and fruits. So they want us to talk into that particular idea. One of the things I said to the campers occasionally was that you can't change your harvest you can only change your seed you hear what i'm saying you can't change your harvest you can only change your seed if you choose your seed you will choose your harvest if you don't choose your seed you just get random stuff don't you you can get daffodils and all sorts of things popping up but if you choose your seed in god's word is actually the sperma, the seed, the word of God. It has creative power. It's non-corruptible. If you sow the seed into your life, you're going to get a harvest out of that seed. If you sow peace, you're going to get peace. If you sow joy, you're going to get joy. If you sow the promises of God, you're going to get those promises. Um, but one of the things they did was that uh, each of the, the campers, they, they broke the camp up into different cell groups. Uh, different connect groups, and they all were given, was it a bean, I think? Were given some sorts of seeds, and we had to see which seeds grew the fastest. And so some of these teams prayed over the seeds, some spat on the seeds. Uh, ours didn't do too well, I think, you know, and that got all measured later on to see which was going to be the best seed. But there's power in the seed. There's power in the seed. There's power in that seed. Plant it deep within your heart, water it, and let God give the increase. Amen.